Welcome everyone to the Russell Show. I'm your host Russell Chaudhary. I can't wait to jump into this podcast episode. Episode number 130, we have a special guest, John Farrell. So in this episode, we'll discuss with the John the topic of leadership by me or through me improving. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a review on our podcast. Let's dive in. Hi, John. Thank you so much for joining me in this podcast episode. Really appreciate it. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for inviting me along. I'm I'm quite interested in uh, what we're going to talk about. Conscious leadership. Yeah. I think that's the word for it. Conscious leadership. Yeah. Should be a good good chat. Yeah, definitely. Super excited to have a conversation with you. And yeah, before we get to the topic, I'd love to know more about you. Like how you get involved in a like leadership world, like entrepreneurship. Is that something you always wanted to do, or like accidentally you become an entrepreneur? I suppose it was sort of accidental. I'm I'm from New Zealand, and in okay. New Zealand, it's it's a country bigger than Britain. It's a huge country with five million population. Mm. There's uh, there's five million population. There's fifteen uh, million cattle. There's thirty million sheep and ninety million hectares of grapes for wine. So they've got them in the right balance. Yeah. But what happens down there is because it's so far away. Everybody wants to go there, but there's nobody there. Everybody that is there leaves. They do their OE, overseas experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I left there to do my overseas experience over 30 years ago. Um, and that, well, it wasn't entrepreneurial. It was, it, it, there's a big wide world out here. And yeah. New Zealand's a long way away. It's a little wee small place, beautiful place. But, you know, not a lot happens down there. So, so that sort of started me on that track of sort of, well, if I'm not going to live in my, in my home country, and I've lived in uh, probably 10 years in France. I've lived in England. We're back in England now, but we've lived here in the in the late 90s. Um, right. I've lived in California, San Diego, uh, San Diego um, Florida. Okay. Um, I've just spent the last 10 years in Myanmar, in Burma, um, which was pretty amazing, you know, since the war. I lived there for the 10 years that they had a what they call a democracy. Right. Um, but we had to leave because because of the coup that's going on down there. So so we're back in England now. But it was always sort of I can either get jobs working for other people or I can, yeah, find something that works for me and being flexible, um enjoying travel and, and not yeah. travel on holiday. It's actually going to places and really working there, not not what I call a, a club med tourist. A lot of people go overseas to Asia and they might have a two-year sort of work visa or um, they get a two-year sojourn with their company into Asia. So they have a bit of a holiday. Yeah. Um, and I, so I run into so many people overseas that never really, when I'm overseas, that never really understand the culture, especially in Asia. It's incredible. And in, in Myanmar was an amazing place. Yeah. It was up until before the First World War, it had the best universities in Asia. It supplied a third of the world's rice. It supplied 10% of the world's oil. Oh, well. Um, pre-war. Um, post-war, it, just in the 40, late 40s and that, the, yeah. the head of the UN was was Burmese. It's massive impact on the world. And then Lee Kuan Yew in Singapore modelled Singapore on Burma at that stage. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then in, in 62, the army stepped in and screwed it all up. And they sort of let them come out now 12 years ago and we arrived there and it was a really ex- incredibly exciting time to be there 
we arrived there just before the first what they called a democratic election. I mean, we wouldn't call it that, but they yeah. did. Um, but it was almost like, you know, the lights had been turned out and one day and the next day they got turned on. <laughs> and being an ex-Commonwealth country, um, they they still had a lot, and they probably wouldn't like me saying this, but they still had a lot of the awareness, the underlying, um, just the personalities that you could see that it was bubbling away and and of course it was off and it was phenomenal for um entrepreneurship and and in in training and and just I, I worked in one job um I was running a a, a, a six-star hotel on the river we used to go to Mandalay and I first worked onto the boat it was 40 crew on the boat six star and I was four hundred dollars three hundred dollars for the cheap room so it wasn't cheap so we didn't get many locals lots of Americans and Europeans but anyway, the first thing I said to the the three women on the front desk was the local Burmese women. I said, "So my job is to teach you to take my job." And it took them about two days to even get that concept. They no one had ever told them that before. Yeah. So just to that ten years, just to open them up to show them that you know the only one stopping you is yourself. Mm. Um, and 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 then work with them and and. And, and and in that country, there was this incredible guy. I'll always remember him. He used to paint these really nice water water um, watercolor paintings of the temples and the the scenery on the um, Mandalay and Bagan and that. And um, and uh, I started to recognise him because he'd turn up and he'd try and sell his paintings to the guests, which is yeah, this was cool. And then yeah. um, we get down the river, forty miles, and he'd turn up again. I'm like, what's going on? He said, I've got a motorbike. I just follow you guys up and down the river. Wow. So even with that background of being isolated since the 60s when the army took over into when I got there 12 years ago, even with all that suppression then, you open it up and people have got their entrepreneurial spirit and they took off. They just didn't have the technical skills. And that's what was so exciting. Be able to share those technical skills with them down there. Yeah. Um, and then unfortunately, of course, the army stepped back in 18 months ago and pretty much took it back to the ice ages. So it's I, th I think, yeah, there's hundreds of, of tourists going into the country now it's an it's an incredible it's an amazing place if it's uh Rudyard kipling said burma is a place like you'll never know mm. and and i mean kipling wrote that decades ago but it's still the same today yeah but yeah so that's sort of my background i had some different countries and world where i've worked and and, and i've had some really different understandings of what entrepreneurship is different cultural experiences and then landing there to be able to share those with the uh, yeah. a population that holds their elderly and teachers in really high esteem we, we don't do that in the west anymore but in myanmar they do because the elderly have got all the all the knowledge yeah and the teachers have got all the knowledge and, and that's what they want because they know that, you know, to get out of where they're living, they need to, to learn to be able to, to just to do things. It's true. So it was great. Not so much there being an entrepreneur. I did it a bit there, but it was more just bringing people up. So I talk a lot in networking events, um, different events that are going on there because they just, the education system's appalling. So yeah. it, that, that was, that was really exciting. And then, and then the leadership sort of stuff, it's it's really, really, really basic leadership. It's very, um, well, it's a patriarchal society that women still have a really strong presence. Yes. So 
probably half the businesses in quite big businesses are run by women. So it's not a, it's not a, it's patriarchal on the surface, but you know, what do they say in Thailand? If you want something done, you, you ask the guy, if you really, really want it done, go and ask his wife. <laughs> she'll, she'll get it done. She'll get him to do it. Yes. So yes. So not so much leadership in that place because they were still learning the rudimentaries of it, but, yeah, we were going to talk about leadership today, weren't we? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about like how important do you think like leadership is for like organization? So we tend to see like a lot of businesses, they don't have the leaders, they have the bosses. And leaders obviously managers. is important. Yeah, managers. So leaders is a really important thing. Like, how do you like explain like how important is the re- uh, leadership is? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how we got to where we are today. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was doing a training probably 15 years ago in, in Europe and um, was for um, leaders, mm-hmm. business leaders. And one of the things is, you know, um, Henry Ford started off the peer group. So it's like he wanted to talk to like-minded people. So he collected all the, 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 the rich millionaire managers together and he kicked yeah. it off Henry Ford quite a few decades ago. Um, and then sitting there 15 years ago, well, who who are the leaders in the world today? And even right now today, I mean, you know, who have we got? Trump, um, the, the guy you've got in charge in America now, I can't remember his Joe name. Joe Biden. Um, I, exactly. Or or uh, in, in, in Canada and in, in England, Boris Johnson in France. You, you've got these not really aspiring leaders that could be termed as mentors to, to people to to aspire to. Um, you know, you have people like Nelson Mandela and maybe Napoleon, but the historical people that have, have become leaders in their own time at the right time. But today, yeah. living, and, and, it's, and it's, it's becoming a, a big issue because when I talk to young guys, you know, sort of millennial age, mm. um, who 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 can they actually aspire to be? Um, it, it's difficult, you know. A few years ago, it was Tiger Woods because yeah, he was a really powerful, strong, um, coloured guy that's lead. And, and then of course he fell off the rails, and it's sort of like, well, okay, he was, but yeah, it's 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 really difficult. Yeah, we hold these people, we put them much more on a pedestal, and then of course everybody's human. We're all fallible, and they and they all they fall off. So. The whole concept of leadership, I think, has changed. And that's sort of historical. Today, we, we've gone through, um, we've gone through in humanity's period, this evolution of economic evolution. So that, that, that fourth, that, that first of four stages, that first stage was living on the land, so hunter-gatherer. Yeah. Very patriarchal because your physical strength was needed. And the guy that was physically the strongest, or the woman, but usually the guy was the leader, but that was all power, physical force. Mm-hmm. The, the the next stage was when we started to sort of get these these groups. We we sort of didn't want to be around so much. So we sort of started to become um, the land, become farmers. So an agri- agricultural age, the agrarian age. Yeah. And we sort of we moved out of the transitioned out of that and and into a into more solid um, villages and towns and eventually cities where we became more specialized. 
So in the in the in the farm, you had the the sort of the the, the farmer or the, the blacksmith or some, somebody that had a job related to the farm. We became more specialized as we formed these these cities, and and, and that's where we sort of come right through probably till the early nineties, mm. where we became much more specialized. And while this is an e economic evolution through those those stages, there's also a consciousness evolution. So you had to get more education because your skills are becoming more specialized in the cities. So it meant spending more time at school. You know, when you're hunter-gatherer or you're working on the farm, I, I, the holidays here in the north are in August, which for me being in New Zealand is a bit strange. What, why August? But that's because <laughs> it's the it's the see, part of the year when the crops are ready to be harvested. Yeah. So none of the kids would turn up for school. They'd all be uh, harvesting the crops. Now, I don't know. I don't know about America, but here in England, most kids think that milk comes out of a cardboard box. There's no association between the farm animal and, and what they're putting on their cereal mm. in the morning. But even at that stage, so so that that sort of um, uh, industrial age, you you sort of became a leader because you had the morals, but you also the morals, the ethics, but the education. So you put yourself up there as somebody that had the education, yeah. like Henry Ford. So not everybody you, know, you still had to have the morals the ethics the uh, the, the education prior prior to that it was tended to be napoleon and guys that were still using force power they were in charge of the armies and and, and the navies and the air force not so much the air force but the armies and the navies yeah but what's happened recently and it's been accelerated i think a lot with uh with covid we've moved into the information age so when Bill Gates, Bill, Bill Gates and Paul Allen formed um, uh, Windows ninety five, they they changed the computer world tremendously. But also, what they did, they changed our access to information. Yeah, I could be working on a on a on a topic um, in in the states, and I could be talking to someone in Taiwan, and I could actually you know, actually communicate with them, and we could actually learn off each other. That's the that's how Windows ninety five started it, to the sharing of information. COVID's come along, for all the damage it did, um, there's been some real silver lining in it. Because now I, I have access to pretty much everything. There is a huge, huge overload of knowledge today. Yeah. And, and I can go on Zoom and I can be talking to, um, you know, I have peer groups uh, Mondays and Fridays and I talk to people in Australia um, India, America, France, in England, all at the same time, we're all talking about similar products. So this yeah. evolution of knowledge is really accelerated, but it's the sharing of knowledge because knowledge isn't power. Mm. It's the application of the knowledge that's the power. Yeah. When we're talking about leadership here, management, the problem is this is happening really, really fast now. This massive change of, of um, this economic group, the information age and Therefore, the consciousness awareness that's happening is going to happen within our generation. They're, they're, they're talking now about um, spiritual cities, cities that are communities, cities that are built up yeah. around a spiritual understanding, not a physical, you know, we have all the banks in London. The problem with leadership is that managers are not keeping up with the changes. You know, when I grew up, when my parents, they got a job and they got a gold gold handshake because they'd been with the company for 50 years. 
my generation, we moved around a bit, but you usually stay with a company for 20 years. I'd be a dentist and that was it for life. Yeah. Now, millennials, that younger generation, and I have a lot of respect for them. They've gone, well, shit, you know, look at my mum and dad. They worked their asses off. I never saw them. For what? I don't want that. It's true. So if you're a manager at a company and you 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 need to employ people at the lower end, sort of bring interns and into the company, you, you've got to be able to deal with where they are because they're no longer going to put up with bowing and scraping and, and you're the boss and I'll do what you say. It's like, no, no, no. I want my life as I'll work for you, but what else can I get that's going to support my well-being? Yeah. And now we have this great reset going on and so much um, of the population changing jobs because that younger generation is just not, they don't want to put up with what their parents went through, which is fair enough. Yeah. Leaders today need to understand and, and work on that and actually encourage it. If they don't, they end up as the managers, which are fighting it. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're not working with the, with the, the employees that they've got. And that's where we, I think we get this difference between leadership and management. Managers, it's changing so fast that most people are not keeping up with it. You know, when I go to the doctors, I have the, I have a discussion with the doctor. Yes. So this is what I think it is. And this is what he thinks it is. So we look at the results and we discuss them. A generation ago, the doctor had a white lab coat and he was the authority. Now, this is no longer the case. Yes. So leaders conscious leaders are the ones that 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 um and, and it's been around for a while it's not a new thing um uh, stephen covey said you know seek first to understand and then be understood and that's a conscious leader somebody that's going to shut up use two ears and one mouth to understand not listen to what's being said but understand what's being said right and that's that's i that that's a conscious leadership awareness to a manager a leader that's actually listening to what's happening around them and is interacting with what's going on yeah. they can no longer dictate right this is what we're going to do you're in a company you still have to reach kpis and, and figures for the end of the month there's still an economic reason for the company to be there but okay. I, I don't know about america but in, in in england here at the moment the fuel companies have made tremendous profits in the last couple of years um France, they've frozen the fuel prices because really? it's coming into winter and they're getting worried that people are people are not going to afford the fuel prices. They're just going through the roof. Yeah. So consciously conscious leaders, if they want to succeed, and it's more the younger leaders, I think the more dynamic companies, the more aware companies that are going to be able to ch change. It's always changing by the week almost, not not quite, but it's changing so fast. If you're an older established company like a bank, say, and it's been established for a long time and they have a hierarchy and, you know, by the time you've been there 40 years, you get to sit in the big seat at the top of the table, that that, that business is is going to struggle. People are not going to work for them. Mm, yeah, and, and I think we're seeing this in education, in government, um, civil servants. Yeah. Um, People are just why would I why would I want to do that? I can get paid as much or more maybe, or maybe less working for a company that gives me a better quality of life. It's true. So conscious leaders need to are the ones that are going to be more aware of how and and it and it starts with themselves. You can't seeking to understand isn't 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 looking at other people. It's it's understanding myself because with my background, I I have a worldview. I will see things through my lens. Yeah. 
well, if that younger generation has moved past my lens, how am I, I, so you have to, leaders are people that understand themselves to then understand what's happening around them in the environment. So how do you I think, create like a conscious leaders around us? I know we are struggling in the UK <laughs> because of the conscious leaders. I think, I think it's West. The West, Western, it's the same in America, New Zealand, Australia, it's, it's, it's no different. We're seeing it particularly in politics. Yeah, you know, what the big question I had for for a while was, everyone didn't dislike Trump, but a big chunk of the population voted for him. What what's yeah. going on there? Um, and now you've got a leader in place who's sort of like, what's his name? Sort of thing. He's sort of been a non non entity, almost the extreme opposite of Trump. Um, I, I don't support either camp. I'm just using them as examples. Yeah, but consciously, I think what's happened with covid is that people have been able to sit at home and i mean you know my my wife used to i, I used to work, I work from home but my wife used to go into um into the office and she'd spend 45 minutes on the bus commuting 45 right. minutes going back but she could do work from home and she did it for 18 months she went into the office sort of like once a month for yeah. a half a day something and then the office goes well you've got to come back in and she's like that costs me an hour and a half every day to sit on a bus, which I don't get paid for. Yeah. But I've just done it from home. So what? What you know? What, what, what's going on here? Um, and, that, and a chunk of that is because the managers don't want to lose control because they have this this I need to control thing. Yeah. They are uncomfortable in their in, in their situation. It's not an easy um, it's not an easy business to run having a lot of your workers remote working yeah. remotely. But I think so. So, so somebody like my wife, for instance, an hour and a half extra. Now it wasn't an hour and a half extra. She just did more work in that hour and a half. But it gave people a lot more time to think: Is this really what I want to do? Do I really want to go back into the office? Had it lasted, had COVID lasted for a couple of weeks, wouldn't have changed much. But it went for yeah. so long that a lot of people go: I, mean, I, I, I just, why do I need to go into? Why do I need to go into the office? Why don't you spend so much time, the stress of traveling, you know, you have to drive in, spend all that money on a car that sits in the garage or sits yeah. in the car park most of the time, which I pay for. Um, so there's, it's all that. And, and so I think what's happening and the second fastest growing industry in the States is coach, life coaching. Tony Robbins, who's one of the top um, motivational speakers of the world. He just did a, a, a live um event five-day event on on zoom right and they had over nine hundred thousand people on that event I, I always think it's quite good if i get sort of 20 people and so yeah. of course as i do they get a hundred people he gets ninety thousand uh, not just under a million people nine hundred thousand people are spending hours every a couple of hours every day for five days listening to what he says now tony robbins if you don't know him he's a motivational speaker he started in the 70s and then into the 80s and, and he started to become quite big and, and he's he, he's he's pretty much saying the same stuff he was saying 15 years ago yeah he's got a new box a new ribbon but the content's the same content but the thing now is that more people they've, they've been at home and they're like I, why am i going to do this why am i going to go back to the office the stress the strain the office politics all that when i could have done this at home yeah. i've been doing it at home there's, there's that part they're starting to see. Also, it's like, wow, I have to work. Is this, 
there's an awful lot of people going, is this really what life's all about? You know, I thought I was out of it. I wasn't doing what my parents did and got stuck in a in a job for life. And, and basically, it, it, it's you're either working for your goals or somebody else's goals. And most people from my generation, from my parents' generation, were working for somebody else's goals. Yeah. I mean, the classic example today is is Elon Musk can fly to outer space, but his guys working in the Amazon work uh, in the Amazon factories are still them. Um, what do they call it? The, the the way that they work the the um they get paid minimum wage they get paid for when they when they when the work's available so they're working just just to make ends meet he's flying you know to outer space yeah just as an example who who's working for whose dreams <laughs> Definitely the workers, yeah. and, and an awful lot of people awful lot of those workers are, are going is this really what it's about and i still need to work and i still want to do well in my job but i need a bit more of a life work-life balance here yeah. so people are looking People like Tony Robbins. I'm not endorsing Tony Robbins, um, but they're looking to, for people that are that are that are in the self development industry. And the self, so for me, self development is really about self awareness. Mm. So I can learn things off Tony Robbins. And the big danger, of course, is and Tony Robbins has a has a, a, a program or a film. I'm not your guru. An awful lot of people have been brought up in a, in a, with a mindset of. The government will fix things or the NHS will fix things or somebody else will fix things. Well, that's pretty obvious it hasn't worked. And I think a lot of people are going, ah, I have to take responsibility. I have to become more self-aware of what's happening around me. So rather than be reactive to what's happening outside me, actually notice what's happening inside me and, and become a bit proactive is this stressful this job is is do i really not like driving into work maybe i'll need to look at changing sure or do i need to i i, I worked to one of the many um, consulting jobs i do is with something called predictive index and they have a great strap line we employ people on their qualifications we fire them because of their attitude mm. and when you go to a job you, you really it's a two-way interview you need to get a sense of can i work with these people do they put the right vibes out do they do, yeah well do i think i'll feel comfortable um, and i think people are getting more into that self-awareness i'm not I'm, it's killing me going into work every day and in stress i mean 60 70 percent of problems in hospitals now are, are lifestyle diseases and well that's drinking and overeating and eating rubbish food it's also the stress of living yeah and the stress of living it's not like it, it all comes at once it's that little wee bit every day that little bit of stress driving into work that stress produces adrenaline and, and the adrenaline if it's not helping us run away from a tiger as we did back in the back in the old days <laughs> when we we're hunting gatherers if it's not helping me run fast it's starting to break down my organs inside it's yeah not it, it's it, adrenaline is not good for us if it sits there now day to day it's insignificant but day plus plus day plus the next day plus the next week plus five years plus 10 years it's no wonder that people have these lifestyle diseases because they're living uneasily and all, all these things sort of come together and and that's that's i think what people are looking at they'd be they're not happy with what's going on definitely conscious leaders are the ones that recognize this they're self-aware enough for themselves to recognize okay this way of doing things isn't working let's listen to their 
well, listen to what they're saying, but you've got to ask the right questions as well. You don't just listen to for the sake of listening. You've got to be able to ask the right questions. So conscious leadership is, for me, is, well, if you do it on conscious levels, I think conscious leadership is a three-me level. Mm. Most of the world, a lot of the world lives at a, at a conscious level of two-me. You know, the world's happening to me. I can't do anything about it. Taxes have gone up. You know, it's just being pushed on. And that's that's a stressful situation to live in. I can't change I can't change anything. I'll just try and get week to week, earn some money, pay the bills, pay the rent, that sort of thing. And, and we just basically lie back and let life happen to me. Yeah. And that, that's a it's a it's a way of thinking. People get stuck in that. Yeah, I totally agree, John. So yeah, we're coming to the end of this podcast, John. So yeah, we can go on for Already. hours. <laughs> I know I'm passionate about it. So yeah, I really appreciate your time. I think I'll just I'll just I'll just quickly say the, the, the next part of so one minute. The next part of this, people they don't want to be they don't want to be reactive to the world. So they move into this by me level of consciousness. Now a big chunk of the population is in by me. So I will step out there and I'll force life to to bend life to what I want. Awful lot 